This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. North Carolina, like a lot of us did on a cold winter night, went to sleep a little early. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, actually, it started in the first half. Yeah. They had some sort of, like, ridiculous lead. It was like 27 to, I don't know, 27-6, 27-8. They were up huge. And all of a sudden, it's, wait a second, how did this get to single digits? Mm-hmm. Right? And then they pushed it out. They led by 20. Right before the end of the half, they led by 20. Like, all right, that's fine. We don't have to watch anymore. I had it on. Yeah. Right? And then I looked down, I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, what happened? Why is this still a competitive game, at least in terms of the scoreboard? Look, the way this game was played, as long as North Carolina was awake, they were going to be fine. Unfortunately, uh, they kind of took naps. And that's, I mean, that's fine. A nap is great for a lot of people. I personally am not a napper. It doesn't, it doesn't help me. Yeah. I don't I do it. There's a sweet spot with naps for sure. Four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, if I could get like, 90 seconds of shut-eye at yeah. a red light. Right. That's good. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's that's, good. That's basically oh, yeah. it. In the end, though, it was a comfortable 17-point win, but Hubert Davis was asked, like, a 20-point lead all of a sudden became 55-50 in the second half, and he was asked about it. Well, I know how it got to 55-50. We weren't playing any defense. We were in the huddle. I, I told him, I said, they're shooting 90% from the field. I said, that's hard to do that by yourself in the gym. But nobody argued. I said, this is the reason why they're in this position is because our lack of commitment on the defensive end. I said, if you want things to change, then we're going to have to defend. We're going to defend without fouling. We're going to have to rebound the basketball. But one of the things that I always tell the team is, you know, whether something good or bad happens, it, the only thing you really have control over is how you react and how you respond. And so when they cut it to five, I loved how we reacted and how we responded. We got stops. We didn't put them on the free throw line. We rebounded the basketball. Um, we got good shots on the offensive end, got to the free throw line, got into the penalty. And um, we played the type of basketball that got us the 18-point lead in the first half, and then we were able to extend the lead and, and come away with the win. Yeah, it really was about Carolina's defense. I mean, Louisville shot almost 50% for the game. I mean, they they made a bunch of threes. They scored 70 points. Carolina had to, what it held their last four opponents to under 60. And Louisville of all teams hit 70. So that was an atypical Carolina defensive performance. Uh, and that really was the reason for it as you're watching it going, yeah, I mean, Carolina just kind of lost their edge. Uh, they knew they could score. They knew they could score when they wanted. But you still have to commit on the defensive end. Uh, I'm not going to read uh, a ton into it. Well, let's call it a learning experience for North Carolina. This is what can happen if you lose your edge. Maybe this is a kind of a more narrowly focused big picture topic for the number one seeds in the NFL who haven't played in a couple of weeks. Uh, this is what happens when you lose your edge. All right, let's let's just go through some of the players. Uh R.J. Davis, 21 points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 of 7 on 3. Again, he and Kyle Filipowski are the only candidates right now. 
I don't care who you are. There are two candidates for ACC Player of the Year. It's R.J. Davis and it's Kyle Filipowski, and that's it. That's it. Uh, Armando Bacot had a good game, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists. We'll get to uh, who he passed on the all-time list in a second. Jalen Withers, who came from Louisville, transferred from Louisville, 15 points, 10 rebounds, 24 minutes. Here's Davis on Withers. No, I, I, you know, he, he was just terrific tonight out in every area on both ends of the floor. I mean, it's just, you know, one of the things for Jay Witt is, you know, he brings things to our team that we just, nobody else on the team can do. He just has size and athleticism. Some of the plays that he made, we just don't have anybody else on the team that can make those type of plays. And so, you know, we needed him tonight. Louisville is, is you know, they've got a big team. They're very athletic. And when we have Jay Witt out there, you know, it, that helps us be more athletic. And you know, we needed it tonight. Jalen Withers and Seth Trimble, I think, are part of Carolina's defensive identity. And it's been actually, and so is Cormac Ryan, who is a sneaky good defender, I think, at least as, as far as I've seen. Uh, I like what they have brought defensively to the team. Uh, just to Armando Baycott, real quick. Uh, he passed Warren Martin for fourth all-time on the North Carolina blocked shot list. And he passed Ralph Sampson of Virginia for fourth all-time in ACC history in rebounds. And Hubert Davis, uh, I think joking around a little bit here, um, not sure Armando understands the gravity of all of that. You know, these kids... They know LeBron, you know, they know <laughs> KD. They don't know Ralph Sampson, you know, and it's like one of the classes I wish they could take is the history of the of the ACC and just look at, you know, just unbelievable players and coaches that have been a part of this conference. I think Armando understands the significance of what he's doing, but fully in terms of knowing the names that he's passing and how significant that is, uh, I don't think this generation really gets it. You know, I do. Because <laughs> I grew up watching Ralph Sampson and all those guys. And so it's pretty cool. I would like to give Armando Baycott a quiz. I would like to, I, I'll bet, I will bet Armando Baycott would pass an ACC history quiz. Yeah, well, he's real good at astrology. He's been... So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> uh, so funny. He'll never, for, never forget. No. Uh, but look, he's a smart guy, man. You know, it's one of my, one of my favorite things. Are uh, for a friend of ours, former NC State legend Julius Hodge. I remember interviewing him when he was a player, and that dude was into the history. Of college basketball. I bet Armando knows who these stars are. The Warren yeah. Martin thing, because Warren Martin was sort of he was a very good player at UNC, but he was not wasn't one of their star players. Like Ralph Sampson. I mean, we're talking about college basketball Hall of Famer. Like literally one of the greatest uh in the history of the ACC. I think Armando probably knows who uh Ralph Sampson is. All right, moving on. NFL stuff. Bill Belichick is heading into his second interview with the Atlanta Falcons. All right. So when I read this, I can't decide now. What's more odd? 
that Bill Belichick has a second interview with the Atlanta Falcons or the fact that the reason they believe that he is attracted to Atlanta is because it seems to be the easier path to winning. I'm like, wait a second. No. Neither of those two things compute for me for these reasons. The first part, why is he, like, he's interviewing a second time. What could possibly have not been discussed in the first interview that you were going to tackle in the second interview unless Bill said, uh, we're on to the second interview? Yeah. Right? What do you have to clarify? I don't understand. Like, to an extent, or did Bill ask for the second interview? Like, why the hell are you talking to Jim Harbaugh when you (laughs) just talked to me? Let me solidify this. So I don't really understand the second interview for Bill Belichick. You either are are desperately trying to hire him or you're not. Yeah. You don't need a second interview. (laughs) I remember. So there's there was that. And the other part, so he needs 15 wins, I think, to tie, to either to tie or pass Don Shula. Uh, the all-time wins list among NFL head coaches. This is all regular season. It's nothing to do with the postseason. So on what earth would we assume that Bill is looking for the easier road? If Bill Belichick isn't looking to win a Super Bowl. Right. Then what is he, he doing? Then he's not coaching. Exactly. He, look, I can't for the life of me imagine Bill Belichick is coaching for 15 wins. I mean, you could be the head coach of the Panthers, coach for four years, and probably get to 15. Maybe, right? hopefully. Adam Gold here with my man, Coach Pete DeRuta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Are most of your clients hands-on or they just give you their money and let it work for them? About 90% give the money and then we meet every year and go through status reports, have a financial pit stop, making sure everything's fine. It is like a puzzle, Adam, but for the next 10 of you, we'll solve your own retirement puzzle at no cost or obligation. Call and claim your comprehensive review with Coach Pete and the team, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. So the whole mission's got to be to win a Super Bowl. What's the best opportunity to win a Super Bowl? Does Atlanta have a quarterback? No, they don't. Do they have a nice offensive line, some pretty good weapons, right? They do, absolutely. But without a quarterback and the eighth pick, can you get into the top three to get one of the top quarterbacks? Can you trade for a quarterback who might be able to help you? I don't know the answer to that, but to be honest... I don't see the Falcons as being that great a spot. No. But the notion that he would take it because it's the easier place to win, like, wait a second. Doesn't make sense. That's not him. Anyway, that that whole, th- this whole narrative runs, just kind of rubs me the wrong way. All right, as expected, the Dallas Cowboys staying the course, keeping Mike McCarthy as head coach. When I say as expected, somebody hit me up on Twitter yesterday Adam, I thought I I think you were the only person who thought that Mike McCarthy wouldn't get fired. Well, thank you for uh, saying that. I mean, I'm sure other people did. I have no idea. Uh, but all you have to do is look at history, because Jerry Jones' history, when it comes to head coaches, has been patient. And he let Dave Campo, who's terrible, 
last three years. Jason Garrett, who was occasionally good, but for the most part, mid. He gave him eight full seasons. Yeah. Us in uh, North Carolina know impatience. That's not impatience. No. Hmm. People have been telling Jerry Jones to fire Jason Garrett for like six years. Yeah. And he never did it. And finally, he's like, well, let's move on. And then he went and hired Mike McCarthy. And most of us went, really? Yeah. That's what you're doing? Anyway, McCarthy has won 12 games in each of the last three seasons. So there's that. But on the other hand, by the way, in two of those, I think he won the NFC East. Uh, On the other hand, they have not advanced past the division round and are one and three in the playoffs under McCarthy. Here's Adam Schefter from ESPN reacting to the news. The more time went on, the more you thought this is possible. Like if Jerry Jones was going to make a change, he was going to do it right away, I would think. And he didn't. He didn't do it Sunday night. He didn't do it Monday. He didn't do it Tuesday. He didn't do it today. Well, later in the day, and I think with each moment that passes, there is a situation where you have a team that obviously isn't ready to make a change. And, And I think they viewed it as him winning 12 games in three straight seasons. And even though there's only one playoff went to show for it, they thought, you know what? We're going to run it back, and we're going to take our chance again, roll the dice here, see if we can make it work. And, and that's obviously what they decided to do here. All right. Now, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN was asked if it was the right move. I think it's the wrong decision by Dallas. We'll find out next January who's right. Jerry Jones said, well, Mike McCarthy's got the highest win percentage in the history of the Cowboys for a regular season. Stop right there. Don't talk to us about Super Bowls anymore then. Don't feed us this lie that there's nothing on planet Earth that you'll do more than try to win a Super Bowl. You you are literally keeping a coach, and in your words, because he wins in the regular season. He doesn't win in the playoffs, certainly not with you guys. The second thing is, well, Mike McCarthy doesn't deserve the blame. Well, then who does? If if you just witnessed and watched one of the worst playoff losses in the history of your organization, an absolute collapse, where does the blame fall? I mean, some some of it falls on your quarterback, but that's that, that's another um, conversation. Um, I don't. I wouldn't dismiss what Mike McCarthy did during the regular season. He put them in a position to succeed in the postseason. Now, did. He, he succeeded in the postseason? No. But you have to give credit for what they did during the regular season because that's how you get into the postseason. If you're mid in the regular season but just have this knack for winning postseason games, like, what are we doing? Yeah. Right? You got to get in first. Backwards. You got to get in. Uh, so, look, I think he did a good job, and he's done a good job for three years. I wouldn't have hired him to begin with, and I would have fired him. But I just never thought that Jerry Jones would have. So now this is an interesting question for me, and it was posed. Uh, Chris Canty and Evan Cohen on, on Sportsman like we're talking about it. Was this the easy or the difficult decision? The pivot to Belichick, having a coach that over the last three years won 36 games, yeah, I think that is the harder of the two decisions. Staying status quo is not a hard decision for Jerry. Oh, I think it's the exact opposite, honestly. I think that, that the, the outrage today is going to be in shock and people cannot believe that you actually did this if you're Jerry Jones. Okay. I think the harder he made the harder decision. Staying status quo is not harder for Jerry. The hard thing for Jerry is to do it somebody else's way. That is the harder decision. I think they're both hard. 
I think they're both very hard. I think doing it somebody else's oh. way is something that's hard. And I think the idea that every, I would say 99% of the fan base wants McCarthy out. Would you agree? Yes. Yeah. So I think it's hard to go against 99% of your customers. Evan Cohen is 100% correct. The harder decision for Jerry Jones is to keep Mike McCarthy because, again, his fans want him out. It's so easy to just play to your base. It's a it's a no-brainer. I don't think it was the right decision. I do think it was the harder decision. Mike McCarthy, think about this. He had how long with Aaron Rodgers? Right? Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. The Designery grand opening, we're scheduled to open May 16th and do our grand opening party then. We're going to be catering some food. We're doing some giveaways. We have a VR headset, an Echo Show, some kitchen gadgets, and some fancy knives. 12 to 2 p.m. Please stop by our showroom, 3030 Wake Forest Road. That's The Designery at thedesignery.com. Yeah. He won one Super I think he got to one Super Bowl. He did. Right? Just getting there once. And maybe some of that is on Rodgers, right? By the way, some of the stuff you hear out of Green Bay and how why their offense has clicked this year. Oh, yeah. Is not flattering to Rodgers, not in a personal way, but in a way that Rodgers would freelance the offense. Mm -hmm. So uh, stuff I'm reading about Jordan Love and why it's clicked with the young receivers where it didn't with Rodgers a year ago was that we know exactly what's about to happen. That Jordan doesn't go off script as much as Rodgers did. And they said like half the time Rodgers would get to the line of scrimmage and all of a sudden we're diagramming different plays. Which it works well when you've got veteran players who have been together for a long time and know everything. I read a, uh, I read a piece for those people, one of Dallas's losses in the postseason, not under McCarthy, this is under Jason Garrett, uh, was to Green Bay when Rodgers completed some crazy pass to Jared Cook, the tight end, to set up a, I think, a game-winning field goal. And it was a, a play completely designed in the huddle by Rodgers. He basically said, you guys run there, you guys run that way. Oh, wait, you, you just run long. Right, he was just sending people all over the place, but they all knew they were all veteran players, so they all knew what they were supposed to do, what he was expecting. So that doesn't work when you've got younger players who are not familiar. Jordan Love and these young receivers have kind of connected because everybody knows what everybody's going to do, and this is why I think you see Matt LaFleur is so much more at ease with what he's seeing. LaFleur, like a lot of coaches today, kind of a control freak didn't like it when his quarterback went off the reservation sometimes which Aaron Rodgers is going to do that all right um all right the other the other team that hasn't yet figured it out is the Philadelphia Eagles and I will simply say that I have no clue what they're going to do the decision making for Nick Sirianni in the game Monday night was I thought, curious, to say the least. But the bigger decision that he made and the damaging decision he made was to change defensive coordinators midstream. That was the damning decision that he made. So, for me, 
That is a fireable offense, and I won't be surprised at all if Philly moves on. But if Philly moves on, they should be on the phone with Bill Belichick yesterday because they've got stuff in place to win. They absolutely do. All right, real quick, Hurricanes back on the practice ice today. Everybody but Pyotr Kachetkov and Frederick Anderson, of course. Uh, They've got two more home games before they head to Boston. Uh, Minnesota and Detroit are the two games. Uh, The Wild are seventh in the Central. Detroit is red hot right now. These are not going to be easy games. I think Minnesota's good. I know Detroit is good. Uh, We'll talk to John Forslund coming up in about five minutes or so. Uh, I have two things I think the Hurricanes need to address. I've been saying it all year. They still need another goaltender. I don't care if Frederick Anderson is coming back. I said from the beginning they should assume that he won't be. And now with the injury to Kachetkov, he wasn't on the ice today. Hopefully he won't be too much longer. But you cannot risk your season to to a goaltending deficiency. Kachetkov has played well of late. Ronta has played well of late. So maybe the performance isn't the problem. The availability might be. And the other, they need a right-handed center. In the worst way, they need a right-handed center. Rod Brindamore would probably give his left arm for a right-handed center. Elias Lindholm sitting out there. Calgary wants to trade him. Please, let's make it happen. Jake, I'm getting worried. My house hunt's taking longer than expected. We've made so many offers and keep losing out. You could really use the JAG Advantage. What's the JAG Advantage? The Jim Allen Group, number one real estate team in the state since 1996 with the largest inventory of home sites in the Triangle, 11,000. And they rep more than 65 communities. The Jim Allen Group? Oh, I get it. The JAG Advantage. Score with the Jim Allen Group at thejagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity.